Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Constance Friedman, the founder and managing partner of Modern Ventures, an early-stage investment fund focused on technology companies innovating in and around real estate, mortgage, finance, insurance, and home services. Prior to launching Modern, Constance led strategic investments at the National Association of Realtors, where she launched and managed its investment arm, Second City Ventures. At Second City Ventures, she was active on several boards, including DocuSign. Constance has been recognized in Crane's Business 40 Under 40 and Inman's Top 101 in Real Estate. She earned a BS from Boston University and an MBA from Harvard Business School. Now, let's welcome Constance to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. Constance, welcome back to the show. I, we've had you on before. I certainly love having you on as a guest. It gives us a great opportunity to uh, hear from the very front lines about emerging technology that will have a direct impact on you know, the real estate industry on a whole. So welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be back. So you have, I'm just clarifying just for our listeners' sake, you are the, you're with a venture fund that's no longer associated with National Association of Realtors. Is that correct? That's correct. So I spun out the fund uh, in the summer of uh, last year, and we are still very focused strategically on real estate technologies that are innovating in and around real estate. But what we've done is created a larger investor base. So we have several strategic investors throughout the industry, um, names that everyone you know on the on the show would know. And, um, you know, really we're, but we're still very focused on the, the same type of investing, um, just, uh, you know, spent, spent on a larger fund and, like I said, bringing in additional investors into the fund itself. 10-4 makes perfect sense. So um, what are the top, and I know we have a host of questions to work from, and I was talking with uh, Gina prior to the show, and I know you talk with her a little bit too, and I was thinking like what the perfect question would be for you to really start the show out, and this is the, only, this is the perfect question I came up with. <laughs> so what are the top three um, what are the top three innovative ideas or innovative business solutions, or what are the top three things that you see maybe on the distant horizon that you think will be the most transformative for the real estate industry or the most exciting? Like what are the three things that if you have to choose to only really help develop, because that's really what you are. I mean, you help these guys develop their businesses and fund them and obviously give them great business advice. So if you could only choose to, you know, really drill down on three particular segments, uh, what would those be? Well, I think, you know, if you if you look at the way I think about innovation and technologies, I don't necessarily think about it just in the state of the lens of real estate. Everything I look at, I, I, I bring it back to real estate and make sure there's applicability to it. That's our whole fun thesis. But when I start out thinking about what technologies are really changing the world, I think about what technologies are really changing the world. And then Secondly, do they do they have applicability into real estate? And so, you know, a lot of the things, um, you know, what we do is we have a big technology roadmap, and we're looking at what are the major things that are happening out there, and 
certainly we know big data is one of them that's been out there for a while. We know that um, now that there, there's starting to be a lot of interesting things happening with big data. So, you know, specifically we look at things like artificial intelligence and, um, you know, how is that pertaining to the real estate space? What kind of automatic, automated things can happen in someone's life so that they don't, or a small business or a realtor's life that, you know, they, that, that makes their, their world easier. Um, so, so that's, that's one theme that we look at. We look at the kind of uberfication of everything, if you will. So, you know, we see that there's these marketplace businesses that have popped up um, like Uber, like TaskRabbit, and, you know, for example, TaskEasy, which is one of our companies, but where there's on-demand um, marketplaces that didn't exist before. And so, for example, with TaskEasy, it's on-demand lawn care. And so, um, you know, and, and how does that affect real estate? Well, you know, if you know that you can um, rent out a, a, a room in your house, you might be willing to buy a, a, a you know, afford a, a larger mortgage. Or if you're willing to, if you know that there's a Divi bike or a zip car across the street, you might be willing to forgo the two-car garage. Or in this case of TaskEasy, if you know that on demand you can have lawn care, you might be willing to buy a single family home as opposed to a condo. And so, you know, from the real estate agent's perspective, this uberfication of the world is changing people's buying behavior and people need to be aware of that. I guess the third big thing is the Internet of Things and smart homes and interconnected devices. There's about um, you know, there's, there's a tremendous amount of, of devices that are now connected to the Internet and, um, and homes are going to be changing and smart homes are going to be evolving and uh, the way that people evaluate a, a place and prices they're willing to pay and time on market are changing because of those things. So those three things, you know, the, the first one you mentioned is I think very, very interesting. And it's one of those things that, like, it feels like it's going to be uh, huge. It's the uh, AI, and you know, the, it, mm-hmm. Facebook obviously was coming out with their AI chatbots, or at least they're creating a platform where developers can create chatbots for their chat widgets and all the rest of it. You know, it, but here it is in the real estate industry. I don't really see a lot of conversation going on about that, and I think it's because people are having. A, there's two reasons why. <laughs> Number one is fear, because you know, let's be honest, it's kind of scary. <laughs> the idea of some artificial intelligence thing could replace a realtor, right? I mean, I doubt that it'll never happen, but. Yeah, there's some, you know, cursory, high-level conversations that probably could effect- effectively happen from a bot's perspective. But let, let's talk a little bit about the artificial intelligence, if you don't mind. I mean, what do you envision as far as how would that impact or what are maybe some of the ideas you've heard or read that might, uh, that might be transformative for realtors? Sure, yeah. Now, I think about it a little bit more in terms of a bot's not going to turn, uh, you know, replace the realtor, but I think about how the realtor's job might change significantly because of this artificial intelligence. So, yeah, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, there's one company that I looked at that uh, is basically a um, artificial assistant, if you will. And so, you know, instead of spending having an assistant be doing scheduling or a realtor be doing their own scheduling on the fly, which is something they're spending a tremendous amount of time doing, um, you know, Amy, the assistant, who's actually just an artificial intelligence um, you know, bot, if you will, it can do automated scheduling on the behalf. So, you know, you just see, see Amy, the assistant, and basically Amy 
um, finds time in the calendar and, and gets 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 showing scheduled as one example. Um, you know, another way that artificial intelligence in some respect is being used, uh, we have a company called Better Mortgage. And what Better Mortgage does is they've really digitized the mortgage space. And so they're taking the mortgage process, closing process down from about a 45-day average to about, they're down to 20 days right now, and they're aiming to get to like five. And a lot of how they're doing that is in some ways through artificial intelligence. So they're, they're taking data when a consumer says that they have a house that they want to buy. They're pulling a soft, soft pull on their credit, and they're looking, doing an automated AVM on that particular property, and then they're checking their rules engine against lenders so they can automatically come back for that particular property and that particular buyer what products they are truly qualified to be able to, um, to, to, to get on a mortgage basis. And so from there they can do their, their mortgage um, application and, and everything is digitized. So they'll send out an automated scheduling for the appraiser. They'll send out an automated uh, uh, insurance agent that they can just do a, an e-sign for, for a new insurance. And, and they'll do automated checks on the underwriting. So they'll do, um, instead of doing employment verifications manually, they have an API that they can pull from paychecks. And so, you know, there's various different things that they do to um, limit the number of, uh, of mistakes that happen on a manual process, but also to really just um, process the, the mortgage in a much faster way. And, and you know, arguably some of that is using AI, artificial intelligence, to be able to do that. So, you know, uh, again, I, I don't think of it necessarily as replacing the realtor, but I think of it as really augmenting the way that realtors do business. Right, and it would be essentially, you know, I was just thinking how, uh, how would this, would the artificial, you know, the artificial intelligence bot, right, which is just essentially an algorithm, a computer program, it, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it couldn't be licensed, so then you have to deal with, well, if this, is the bot going to be giving information that states require uh, someone to have, you need to have a license to give information. I mean, you can see sort of the sort of the complexity of sort of the old old world meeting the new world with some of this innovative technology. But I could also see that a, a really well designed bot. And by the way, you were talking about the Amy Ingram thing, and I'll give everyone a. I think you can actually sign up for that. I think we've been using it for a while. I um, I originally heard about it from Morgan over at Inman, but it's um, the URL is weird, guys. I'm going to give it to you. Um, it's remember this is weird this is what the url is it's x.ai okay so it's x.ai that's the url so if you go to w you know http colon forward slash forward slash www.x.ai you can learn more about the uh, uh, artificial intelligence assistant and i've been using it personally i haven't been using it for our business and it works really amazingly well yeah so there's so but when you guys get into it Literally, you'll be communicating with people, or rather Amy, your virtual assistant, your artificial intelligence virtual assistant, will be communicating with people, scheduling tasks. And the other people won't know that it's a, uh, a bot. And they'll actually have these nice little exchanges that someone would normally have with an assistant, just like talking about the weather or whatever, not realizing that that's, they're talking to a bot. So those of you guys who have you know, maybe been on websites of companies and you've gone to their chat widget and the chat widget was obviously some sort of you know, software program that didn't know how to respond to all your comments and questions, this is completely and totally different. I mean, artificial intelligence is the next, 
um, I think it's going to be transformative for agents, and it will actually make agents work more efficiently because, hey, I could have a bot that will do pre-qualifying for me. You know, um, Constance just mentioned a really cool uh, company that she funded that basically allows people, or it, it's essentially it sounds to me like it would be a killer widget for agents to start offering for their uh, sellers to basically allow more buyers to get pre-qualified. I mean, the, the ease of use of some of these previously very complicated you know, processes seems to be streamlining at a, at a, a different level. And, and artificial intelligence might very well be the missing link that's taken all these grand ideas, that takes all these grand ideas into the end zone. That's at least how it's being presented at this point. Who knows a year from now, you know, <laughs> it could be completely, what was artificial intelligence? I don't remember. You never know. So <laughs> I, wrote down two questions. I wrote down two questions for you. Obviously, you have an opportunity. You know, there's a lot of startups. Well, actually, that is, I'm making an assumption. Are there a lot of startups that are geared towards the real estate uh, space, just solely focused on the real estate space? Or I know that was true maybe two, three years ago. Or is that is that kind of was that kind of a bubble in startups? And is, you know, what's what's that like? What's that space like? Well, I think that there there definitely always are companies that are geared solely towards real estate. Uh, my personal perception on, on this from an um, investor standpoint, though, is, is I do like those companies that have applicability in real estate, but also other industries uh, for, for a few reasons. I mean, one is that, you know, if a company is solely dependent on real estate as their only market, they're, they're, they're going to be beholden to the cycles of real estate. And, you know, there's one thing we all know, which is that real estate is cyclical. And <laughs> so, if a company is only focused on the real estate space, they're not going to do so well when when the market goes down and may or may not survive out of it. And so I really like those companies that have applicability in real estate but also get extended into other industries. I think it makes for a healthier business. And, you know, the second thing that we know is that, um, you know, if, if uh, the, the real estate industry as a whole tends to negotiate very hard. They they're, do a great job at negotiating with their vendors. It doesn't leave the vendors with a lot of room for uh, extra, extra margins for their R&D and, and improving their products. And so, again, when a company can extend their business outside of real estate and, and not, not be solely dependent on it, they have the opportunity to also increase their um, you know their their product base and and their applicability elsewhere and and, and serve a better job in real estate as a, as a result. You just touched on something very interesting and it's true and maybe this is more geared towards those of you guys out there who are thinking about doing doing startups. Uh, she's being very tactful in what she just said, but I'll be less tactful. Selling stuff to agents is tough business because agents, for the most part, are very how do we call it thrifty. That's a nice way of saying it. And if you were to take, if you were to take, for example, a product that you had originally planned to sell for to agents, you might be able to sell it for a third or 25 percent of what you could sell it to other business owners. You know, realtors just for some reason they're a tough nut to crack. Um, there's a whole we could. I mean, why do you think that's true, Constance? Do you have a, an opinion on that? Well, they spend their life negotiating, so that's part of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But. Uh, you know, I think that the industry overall, there's, uh, you know, we see that there's about 20% of the agents are doing 80% of the business, and the other 80%, they 
they may have a solid business, but they're just maybe not full time. They're not doing it all the time. And so I think people aren't necessarily willing to spend the money on the technologies that are really going to help them push their business forward. But they're willing to try things and they want to try things, but it doesn't necessarily make sense for them to spend a um, I guess a annual price for something that's not an annual job for them or a full time job for them. So I, I don't know. Those are just some theories, but I but, it's a, but it's a kind of a well known, <laughs> well known, yeah. uh, well known that that's that's the case. Well, exactly. I mean, when I have I have friends that have other companies and they would never try to sell to agents just for those reasons. And if you look at like yeah. for example the total. The total number of actual agents in the country, let's just say it's around 2 million members of NAR and not members of NAR. Who knows if that number's accurate, but let's just say it is. And, yeah, I mean, there's probably, of that 2 million, there might be maybe 300,000 that have viable businesses. Do you think that's a true statement? And of that, then you have to say, well, there's a lot of, bi- a lot of businesses, a lot of people trying to sell to that relatively small pool of prospective buyers. So you don't have an audience of 2 million users. You have a potential audience, a viable audience of maybe a few hundred thousand. Is that is that been your results well, of your research as well? That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And while that market in of itself is is it's it's interesting, and but there are, is a finite number of dollars in those people's pockets, and so and you're never going to get a hundred percent of that market. So, um, right. yeah, for the startups up there listening, you know, there's that it ends up being a relatively small market, and so the more that you can extend your business into other markets the more exciting it is, certainly from a venture perspective, but you know, just from a viability and, and healthiness from the company as well. And so uh, you know, that's a lot of why we extend our focus not just in real estate, but also in mortgage and finance, insurance and home services. They're very adjacent markets, and, and they make sense across all of them. So you know, something like a task easy, that's the, that's the company I mentioned before, the on-demand lawn care you know, how, how you say, well, how's that really real estate? Well, you know, for a few reasons, you know, one is you know, how many times does an agent show up at a, at a home and ready to show it and the grass is two feet high? Or we're seeing that a lot of agents are doing property management on behalf of their clients and they don't necessarily want to hire multiple maintenance crews all across the city to, to manage it. This takes care of that. Or simply someone moves in and says, geez, who should I have do my lawn care? So, an agent can be a good referral source for that. But, but then you start extending that beyond real estate and you say, well, geez, there's all these REOs, you know, bank-owned properties. How do they manage um, all the single-family properties that they have to maintain across the U.S.? And you know, something, again, like TaskEasy, this national platform that can, that can take care of that is pretty great. <laughs> and so, um, and then, you know, same thing with with insurance, uh, you know, our home services, you know, just um, uh, this is a home service, obviously. So the more you get into things like property management overall or uh, disparate retail, things like that, this all starts to make sense. And so if you kind of tick through each of the companies that I've invested in over the years, you'll see that most of them have applicability into these adjacent markets. And, and even beyond that, you mentioned DocuSign at the beginning of the call. And, of course, DocuSign is a quintessential example, you know, where we really help companies launch into real estate, you know, get credibility here, but then use that to expand into everywhere else. And that's a common theme across my portfolio. When you look at my various companies, they, they all make sense in real estate, but they also make sense in, in other markets as well. 
Um, so I wrote down three questions, and these would be probably geared towards all the prospective folks that are listening to every word you're saying, wanting to know how they can actually get in front of you, how they can actually have you listen to and help <laughs> you know, maybe invest in their company. So what um, do you look for them, the prospective investment companies, or do they, or do they look for you? Tell, tell the prospective, because you know, this will be published on Inman. You know Inman's got a lot of techie types that are listening. So how can they contact you, or, or are you actively seeking them? Both, for sure. So we have, in terms of how we seek companies, you know, we have these themes that I talked about, and you know, we, we mentioned a few of them at the beginning of the call, but, but others as well, as well that we're saying you know, what's really happening in innovation as a whole. Are they applicable to our focus industries? And if so, we you know, have a running list of the really great companies and really great CEOs out there, and we're proactively going after them. We're also, you know, really closely working with executives in the industry and the kind of vendors they like and, and understanding when those vendors are raising capital, it's usually not the industry that's supplying the investment for that. So, you know, we're a, we're a logical fit for that. Um, and we have a big network of, of startups and, and executives and, 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 and folks in the venture community. So we're always um, trading referrals back and forth in the space. So that's how we proactively go after uh, companies. But, you know, those companies that want to get to us, and there's, I'll say there's, there's three ways they can think about it. One, they should, first of all, go on our site, modernventures.com, and that's modern with an E, ventures.com. And first of all, make sure that it's a fit. Um, you know, look at our criteria for investing and, and what we like, and they should take a look at that, and um, they can reach out via info at modernventures.com. Um, secondly, we have both an accelerator and a fund. And so each year through the accelerator, we're taking companies, six to ten companies, that are anywhere from pre-revenue all the way up to $30 million in revenue, companies with seed financing, all the way up to companies that have raised over $100 million of financing. And what we do is we put them through this, eight-month program that we really help um, educate them and, and guide them and introduce them to, to the industry and, and executives and potential clients and customers in the industry. And so for people who are interested in that, they can apply to our accelerator. That's also on the same website. And the, the third way, which is truly the best way, is to try to find someone that knows us and, and get a referral in because um, yeah, that's always the easiest way to get to know somebody is through someone you already know. Yeah, so we know her. So you guys can email us at Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com. <laughs> if you have a really cool idea, we might put you on the radio as well. Um, so a perfect – if someone's uh, calling you, emailing you, obviously at some point they're going to be sitting across the table from you. I've read a lot about this. I think it's very, very interesting, all the different responses to this, this question. What is the perfect pitch? How can you get somebody – is it, you know, I, I heard what you said. The product has to be able to scale. It's great if it's in the real estate space. That's perfect. That's your wheelhouse. But you are really excited about things that could easily scale outside of the industry. I'm sure there's a lot of other basic business things that you also look for, the strength of the leadership, the you know, longevity of the idea. Is the idea probably going to be able to, you know, is it going to make it through a recession or is it just an upmarket product? Is it, in, you know, all those types of things, I'm sure, factor into it. But ultimately, when you're deciding who you're going to invest in at any level, you know, 500 bucks or 5 million bucks, what goes through your head? How do you do? How do you make those decisions? 
Well, you touched on a lot of it. I mean, first of all, the, the business plan has to be sound. The market has to be big enough. So it's like you said, you know, if it's only going after those 1,000 realtors, it's probably not a big enough market. It might be a very cool product, but it's probably not a big enough market to really constitute a, a venture return, which is, by the way, okay. It just wouldn't be right for us necessarily. Um, so anyway, so, so that's, that's the, the, the market size is a big one for us. Um, the go-to-market strategy and, you know, does the, does the team have the wherewithal to actually, you might have the best product in the world, but if you can't get it to market, it doesn't really matter. So what's the strategy, what's been done to date and the history? Um, the team is, is a huge factor in it. So do we believe that the team has the ability to execute on whatever vision that, 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 that's being presented to us? And, um, and, then, uh, and then we spend a lot of time working with our partners, the executives in our network to say, you know, hey, is this, you know, we think this might be a really cool product, but would you actually buy this thing? <laughs> and um, and we, we take to heart, um, you know, whether the executives in our industry really think it's a good idea as well. You mean when you say the last thing you said, which was interesting, uh, and I'm going to ask a question about the second thing you said, but the last thing you said when you, you take it to other prospective investors or you t- take it to prospective, you know, maybe end user end companies that might buy the investment from you completely. So you're just essentially going out and asking using your own contacts, finding if they think the product is viable or the service is viable long term. Is that what you were saying? That's right. Okay, and so the second thing I think was really interesting too. You have, I'm sure, all kinds of folks of different stripes that are asking you guys for investment. You know, you have people that have, you know, Harvard Business MBAs like you, and at the same time, you have people that probably have, I have not venture a guess, the vast majority of them are just normal people that had an innovative idea, you know, and maybe they're just, you know, maybe they were realtors or they are just some other, you know, non related industry, things like that. How do you go about? How do you judge someone's ability to basically scale a business from, you know, I'm sure a lot of it's intuitive at this point with you, but what are the sort of things that maybe our listeners and prospective people pitching you might want to be tuned into? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and there's not necessarily one answer, but I'll, I'll give a few factors that go into it. So, one, have they done it before? You know, that's obviously a good indicator. Um, two, if they haven't done it before, is their plan really logical? Are they, do they have plan A, plan B, plan C? So, you know, there's obviously one, there's many ways to attack a market and, you know, and, and, and go after something. But, um, you know, the, the mantra of, you know, fail fast is in and try again is is really true. So you know, if if the if plan A doesn't work out, do we have a quick plan B to start? And what are the what are the metrics of knowing when you've when one when one plan doesn't work and it's time to try the other? And and understanding those things really well and being able to pick on them really quickly and, and knowing what to track and how to track it and and so on. So, so just knowing really the metrics of the business and what success actually is and what to do if you're not hitting those metrics to quickly overcome it. That's the second thing. A third thing would be, especially for those that don't have the experience already, but I think, um, well, it's, I guess it's, it's both. The experienced people tend to know this already, but surrounding 
the team with people who have had the experience, if say the CEO is new, um, having very close advisors and investors um, or sort of people on the team who have done it before to augment any skills that might be missing. And that, that's another thing that we really look for when we're assessing the teams and their ability to actually uh, pull it off. Their ability, maybe also their ability to actually listen for advice and not necessarily have a big ego attachment to an idea that's not working. I heard you say that their, their ability, and more important maybe, their willingness to pivot if the idea isn't working, uh, to listen to constructive criticism, you know, and all those types of things. I mean, these, for you guys, to, it becomes a lot of times, I'm sure, with some of these guys, it's an emotional experience. Some of these guys and gals, you know, it's a big deal for them if something isn't working out exactly. I like what you said, too. You said defining success. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, success is different for different people, but, it, you know, everyone's got their business plan, and as a venture investor, we haircut it quickly. <laughs> um, but but there's, there's success that, um, you know, people need to understand what it means to find out if this is working. And so, you know, a product that they're just putting out there or a service that they're just putting out there, you know, the very first month they might get five hits. Okay. But if, you know, success means that they're going to grow, you know, up to 10,000 users and get 50% year on year growth and, you know, so on. I mean, you don't hit your exact metrics. Okay. But, you know, what is, is, is 40% okay or is 40% growth a failure? I mean, you, People have to every every case is different, but people have to really define what that is because those are the trigger points that lets you know you need to do something different. One of the things and that this, I this applies about- to everything. I mean, this applies to a, a realtor's own business. You know, if they're not, if if as a realtor, if you're not getting enough showings, you're not getting enough calls, you know, you should, everyone should be defining what success is in their own mind. And, and if they're not getting it, knowing what they have to do to different in order to actually achieve those results. I hadn't, uh, I just thought of this question and then I, I have one more question and then I'll let you go. Um, so I know you're very, very busy and I really appreciate you being so gracious with your time today. Uh, first question, the first question you might not have an answer for, cause it's kind of you know, a general question. But do you have any sense of what's happening in the overall housing market? Do you have any sense of like, you know, are you paying attention to the, the you know, is that is that something that you tune into? Yeah, of course. The economy um, and things of that nature. Yeah, I pay a little attention to the economy. <laughs> it's an important part of our business, obviously. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not an economist, of course. But um, you know, I think that there's. There's something, you know, certainly we're at a top of the market right now. And you know, we're, we're at a place where we have been in you know, one of the sort of longest runs out of the recession before a downturn um, you know, as, far as, as far as long as they've been tracking. So something to think about. Um, you know, nobody knows where the top is, obviously. Otherwise, we'd all be, we'd all be billionaires if we could time the market. But um, but it's something to think about. So uh, um, and then you know, kind of the next question is, well, if we all know that that real estate or you know the economy in general is, is cyclical, there's cyclical nature to it. You know, how far how how far does the next fall go? And um, yeah, I think that a lot of people will say that the economics in general, fundamentals in the at least in the U.S. right now are on are, are better than say we were leading up to the last downturn 
And so there's some reason for optimism on, on how things are going. But, you know, I think there's also lots of other factors that contribute to to uh, to the economy that are, you know, very much unknown. You know, things that are happening globally, things that are happening with the presidential race, who knows how that how that's going to play out and what kind of effect that will have. And, and so there's a, there's a lot of unknowns out there. But, um, but, you know, I think that by and large, people think that the fundamentals are pretty strong right now. Well, I appreciate the integrity of your answer because the reason I was hedging for you at the top when I was asking it is because a lot of times when I have housing people, which I had to remind myself that you're, you're independent now, but when you have you know, industry types on the, uh, on the show, the last thing they want to do is throw a blanket on any kind of optimism. You know? It always has to be <laughs> rain, unicorns pooping rainbows. You know? That's kind of what the message always has to consistently be, and I do appreciate your integrity, and, I'm, and we're in perfect alignment with what you're saying. Um, so, listeners, um, I hope you I, – I, I mean, I was writing down notes while she was talking, and I'm sure a lot of you guys were as well. So if you're – she gave you how she – you can get in contact with her. If I were in a startup mode, if I was uh, somebody that was uh, looking for outside funding, you've you got to think, okay, it's one thing to get money. You can go mar- borrow money probably from your Aunt Matilda. What you want to do is you want to borrow money from somebody that's in the space that has been down the road before, and Constance has been down the road working with other companies. I mean, these, some of these companies, they're huge companies. So when you choose a partner um, like her to help you build your company, yes, she, you know, you're going to have an investor and you're going to have, you know, ownership and you're going to have other people suggesting that you do this or don't that. And, then, you know, if you have a big ego, that's going to be a, all those types of, you know, human things figure into it. But by aligning yourself with her and her company, what you're doing is you're also getting an incredible mastermind. You're getting an almost like an incredible board of directors. You're getting folks that literally can, you know, they're making an investment in you, but, you know, you're also making an investment in them. And, and, and really, if, you're, if you have anything that's directly in the real estate space or related to the real estate space, I suppose, you definitely have to consider giving her a call because, I mean, it's a kind of a no-brainer. I don't know of anybody else that's this focused on our industry uh, that also has the ability to basically help you think in terms of scaling outside of this industry because take it from somebody who basically is in the industry selling stuff to agents, and I have been for 20 years. It is a micro, micro market. So if you've got some really cool, great idea, do yourself a favor and figure out how to sell it to more people than just our industry. You know, it's great if you start it there, but definitely figure out a way to branch it out, and Constant touched on that too. So Constance, I really, really appreciate your time today. You know, I learned a lot. Hopefully, uh, our listeners did as well. Anything else you'd like to say to these guys as we round the bend on today's show? Yeah, I would just uh, make a comment for the for the realtors and the real estate professionals that are on the call as well. That you know, I mentioned a couple of our technology companies that are that that we're that we're looking at. But if you're interested in learning more about some of these new innovations that we're really pushing forward and backing, you should definitely come to our website and look at our portfolio. Many of these companies have pilot programs available right now because they're really just honing their their product and their service to the real estate industry and they're looking for uh, participants who want to help them do that in exchange for you know, a really great deal on uh, on participating. And and we have you know our companies as I sort of alluded to before they 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 focus on everything you know from helping to find new referrals to uh, marketing platforms to companies that are focused on, you know, like I said, this, um, you know, the, the lawn care. We have a company that called Image Surge that turns any any uh, window into a touch screen um, 
We have uh, Urban Bound, which is helping to garner leads for relocation services firms. Um, News Story, which is actually a charity helping to build your brand from a charitable standpoint. And you know, a bunch of others that are, that are on our site. And I really encourage you to take a look because these companies are really helping real estate professionals build their business and build a better relationship with their clients. Hey, if any of those founders uh, want to be considered to be on our podcast, this radio show, definitely have them reach out to us directly, and they, they can email Gina, Gina at timandjulieharris.com, uh, and then we'll get them on the radio show. So, Constance, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for being, you know, um, I like, I, I, honestly, I really like interviewing people like you, because you're actually doing it. You're not talking about doing it. You're in it. You're innovating. You're, you're, on, the, you're on the very leading edge of, of what's coming next, but more than that, you're not just you're not participating in it. You're actually helping to form what's coming next. There are very, there are tons and tons of people, especially in the real estate industry, that like to hold themselves out, or maybe the industry holds themselves out as being leaders. And yeah, they might have the title, or they might have the you know the big desk. But at the end of the day, there's only a handful of people that are true leaders, and you're definitely one of them. And I certainly appreciate you being on our radio show today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a fantastic day, everyone. We'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.